0: That's forgiveness 101. Uh, You got to smile sometimes. How many know God created you to smile? Would you turn to your neighbor and prove that? Some of you won't do that because you don't don't have a smile. You have a scorn. (laughs) I want to share with you this morning on forgiveness, but a little bit different twist than forgiving people. I want to talk to you this morning about forgiving yourself, which is an entirely different ballgame. You know, it's interesting how easy it is for us to forgive other people, but how hard it can be for us to forgive ourselves. Forgiveness, flat out, friend, is a freedom that too many believers really don't know what it's like to live in. I can tell you whatever condition, whatever happened, to get pe- to get you or to get others in that place. Whatever choices were made back there in the past, what, 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 whatever failures might have taken place, they are never ever going to be bigger than God's forgiveness in our lives. Now, now maybe you are somebody who's here this morning that has been. Unable to forgive yourself for, let's say, a past choice, past action. Maybe some type of mistake that you've made, and it's just it keeps coming back into your face. You walk through things. You're reminded of it constantly, it seems. And as a result, what you do is you live with or from your shame of guilt or what you did. You live with that. There's no two ways about that. You try to cover it up. You try to bury it. You try not to remember it. You, you, you turn it, and so, as soon as you think you, you, you've forgotten it and you haven't thought about it, something comes along. A smell hits you. A sound takes place. A name comes up. Something happens somewhere, and you're reminded you live with your shame. You live with your guilt. I want to take a look at a person in the Scripture this morning who was doing just that, that that, that was taking place. And they were living with or living from that guilt as a result. And those mistakes that they had made in their life. Follow with me in John's gospel in the fourth chapter. It says, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said, (laughs) go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, here here you go. You want to talk about guilt? You want to talk about shame? Here we go. I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband for you have had 5 husbands and the one whom you will, and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you truly spoke look friend it is possible that we are here this morning and we again there are those who haven't been able to forgive themselves from some mistake or action that we've made and as a result we live with our f- or from our shame and our guilt of what we did and i say that and preface it again because let me share with you what the result of that that we carry around is and that is simply this the limitations that we've placed on our life the limitations if 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 you're here this morning and you're living in any kind of shame, any kind of guilt, you know the limitations that you have placed on yourself. The, 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 the holding back from the good, because in your book, all you deserve is the bad. It's, it's just that simple. Too many, in one degree or another, live in that kind of a condition. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, if only I had made a different choice. If only I had thought differently at that time. If only I had realized what I was really doing or really saying, or or if if, if only I had some kind of filter there, or somebody with a two-by-four that might slap me upside the head or something. Let me say this, because most people in that condition usually call themselves damaged goods. Those damaged goods don't ever see themselves becoming anything good, even in the future. The best, the best I can hope for is, is God's forgiveness in my life. We're talking about guilt and shame here, friend. That's the point. <clears throat> do, you know what, do you know what the definition for guilt is? It's not going to be on your notes, but you can write it down if you'd like. Guilt, very simply, is unmet expectations. You had other expectations. You expected it. To, you, 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 and the expectations were not met. And what replaces that unmet expectation is guilt and sometimes shame. Forgiveness? I, I don't know what that feels like. Forgiveness? I, 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 I don't know what that feels. I mean, I, I, I know shame and I know guilt, but forgiveness? I don't know what that feels like. Now, walk through this with me this morning. We need to know what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And for many of you, you've heard me say this before and say it over and over again, but I honestly believe we need to hear it again this morning, and there needs to be definition brought to it. For, for first point, forgiveness is not... Forgive and forget. How many know there is no such thing as forgive and forget? (laughs) There's no such thing as divine amnesia, as I say. No such thing as it. You know, how many know that the harder you try to forget something, the more you what? Yeah. The, The harder you try to forget something, the harder. The, the the bigger to life, I mean, that's why back in 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 whatever the year that that George Bush Senior uh, was president and his wife Barbara had the, had that uh, uh, that um, drug uh, um, project or whatever it was the program that she was pushing. Remember, it was a big circle with a slash through it with a needle that was dripping with drugs, and it said "Just say no," you know, "Just say no. and." And it was everywhere. And, and so the more you tried to forget about it and say no to it, the more you remembered it. It, was, it was, It's like me telling you, don't think of a black horse. Don't. Please, stop. Don't, thi- don't think of a black horse. No black horses, please. The harder you try to forget, the more you remember. And I say that because forgive and forget is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not... You were right and I was wrong. Let me just say that again. Forgiveness is not you were right and I was wrong. Friend, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not telling somebody you you were right to hit me. You were right to beat me. You were right to abuse me. You were right to, because I'm sorry. Forgiveness is not you were right and I was wrong. Oh, I just, I deserved it. No, no, you didn't deserve it. No one deserves to be abused. Hello? And forgiveness is not pardoning somebody. You can't pardon somebody, friend. Only God can pardon somebody. So I'll say it again. Forgiveness is not forgive and forget. And forgiveness is, is not you were right and I was wrong kind of mentality. And forgiveness is not pardoning somebody. But I'm going to ask you just to put that on hold of what forgiveness is not for a second. Because the reality is, unforgiveness holds us back. And, 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 and how, does, how does unforgiveness hold us back? I, I want you to grab hold of these. I, I didn't add anything to them, I didn't underline so you, you could fill something in. But I want you to take a look at how. Unforgiveness holds us back. A definition for manifesting of unforgiveness. First of all, unforgiveness always keeps score. Have you ever noticed somebody keeping score over things in your life? just seems like they never let it go. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness always boasts of its own record. Hmm. Boy, I could take a while on that one alone, but the truth of the matter is, when somebody is in a state of unforgiveness, they always boast of, of trying to feel better about things, of their own record, what they do, how they do it, this, that, and everything. Unforgiveness, nobody knows anybody like this. Uh, unforgiveness always complains. Hello. Unforgiveness always complains. Unforgiveness has a martyr syndrome. Hmm. Unforgiveness always alienates, divides and separates. And the last one there is unforgiveness is always envious and jealous when anger and when angry at someone who gets blessed. Well, let somebody get blessed and watch what happens. It's torn down immediately. You can see it in their faces. You can see how it reacts and what takes place. How unforgiveness happens and the anger builds and things develop and things continue. It's, called, it, it's, it's unforgiveness as it plays itself out. It's the results of unforgiveness. The actions of something that's called unforgiveness. Forgiveness, And I, I, I just want to underscore that because I'm not talking about in people in general that we have unforgiveness towards others. It goes along the same line with unforgiving ourselves. We're, we're talking about the actions of a condition called unforgiveness. So look at Proverbs 14. It says, and I have this in the Amplified. I love the way it puts it. It says, a calm and undisturbed mind... And heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. Wow. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of a body, of the body. Think about that for a second. Calm, undisturbed mind, heart are the life and health of the body, but envy, jealousy, wrath, are like rottenness to the bones. What's it saying? It's saying that will kill you. Unforgiveness will kill you. So you, you hear these words a lot. Well, I, I know God forgives. I'm just having a hard time forgiving myself. That's a problem, friend. Let me ask you this question. And I want every ear to hear it from young person to adult. Do you serve God or do you serve your feelings? Do you serve God or do you serve your emotions? Because, quite frankly, sometimes we go through the motions to try and feel better. When forgiveness, friend, is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Forgiveness is a decision. It's that simple. Forgiveness, say that with me. Forgiveness is a decision. So, how do we, I mean, understand. Where would Paul be? Where would Peter be? Where would this woman at the well be? I mean, you can't change your actions until you change your thinking. Your actions will not change if your thinking has not changed. You, You might be forced into it for a little bit, but you remember the old saying is very simply, a person persuaded against their will is of the same opinion still. So, Here's the thing. How do we get to this condition in the first place? How do we get to how do we get to that? Look, you've heard me say this over and over and over and over, and I'll say it again and again. And I, I know the majority of you have caught on, but but again, sin is not a what? It's not an action. It is a condition called independence of God. Sin is is not an action, it's a condition. <laughs> it, 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 sin, sin is about an action or a result. Sin, it, it, I should say, sin is not about an action or a result. It, you know, I, how do I say it? It's, it's not the, the manifestation, it's not the result. It's, it is about a condition that will end up in an action or a result. Friend, when you talk about sin, usually everybody thinks about something I'm doing, that, that sinner you know sinners lie, or, or the sinner I should say, of lying, or the sin is stealing, or, or or the sin is this action, or the sin is that action. And we get it muddled, we get it turned around, we get it changed up, and and, and you know it's it's amazing. What I see, and as I take a look over the spectrum of the church, not just locally, but nationally, and then try globally. You know, (laughs) you take a look at the practices of some churches in Europe, and you put them up against the churches in America, and they're both looking at each other and say, how can you call yourself saved, and you do this? (laughs) Truth of the matter is, we're looking at results, we're looking at outcomes, we're looking at all these things, but we're not, we're calling them sin, but that's not sin, it's the result of sin. Sin is not an action, it's a what? Condition. So, so I say that because the reality is that we produce action as a result of our condition. And if we're not careful, what we end up doing instead... Is that we stand around judging what we're, you know, what we're doing and, and, and we're judging of this person and that person and how this person measures up and how that person measures up. And, and we, we cast. Have you ever noticed that we reach a point where we actually need other people to compare ourselves with in order to feel better about ourselves? What does what does that say about our condition? And and I come back to this because, man, the rhetoric, the talk, the, the stuff that goes on, what we end up doing is standing around judging, and we're living in the same condition as the ones we're judging. It's not how many know it's not our job to judge? There there's only one judge, and his name is is the Lord. We don't judge people. What we judge is fruit. And for so many believers, they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they do not live from their condition of grace. They're still living from the condition of the old man, not the condition of the new man. Their their mind isn't really renewed. They're still looking at themselves as, as the one that has to make things happen to to avoid walking, you know, and, and, and with him or to learn from him, from his word, and 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 in that time of prayer. We still look at us having to make things. So we end up living in the same condition, and it is a life, friend, that doesn't work. Look look at this this scripture. It says in Romans 14: He who doubts. Is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Wow, think about that for a second. We're talking about condition again. He who doubts is condemned if he eats. <laughs> because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is this is getting into some stuff that Paul is dealing with concerning the Christians in Rome, but and, and but because he's he's eating is 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 not from faith. Look, can can I put it to you this way? If it what? faith is not an emotion. Hello. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is the the opposite of sin. And if sin is independence of God, then what is faith? Faith is dependence upon God. Now again, I'll just say it again because there's something going on here today that I'm just going to put it out there. Faith is not something you can muster up, okay? You can't create faith. You can't go to the gym and say, I'm going to work up until I start bulking up in faith. You don't have faith because you do something. You know, if I I just bulk it up enough, if I just read my Bible enough, if I just pray enough, then I'm going to have enough faith to go out and do all this stuff. Look, I'll say it again. We grow in faith as a result of his presence in our life. Absolutely, 100%. We grow in faith as a result. Look, everything that does not come from our dependence on him is sin because sin is independence of him. It's about as simple as you can put it. Think about it. It it reflects in our prayers. It reflects in, in our talk. It reflects in our walk, it reflects and shows what kind of condition we're really in. We treat God as if sometimes he's, he's, he's out there rather than in here where he's joined to us. So we're trying to get God to do something from out there, or to come down from up there into my situation, and I need to have faith to do that. So I got to bulk up in faith so that he can, I can give it to you know, it's sort of like a, a, a you know, a currency, and I can, pay, you know, get, a, get enough faith to pay. Come on down here, do something here. I need God in here. And it's, mm. He's joined to our spirits. We are one with Him. You, you, friend, do not have a little bit of Jesus. You have all of Jesus. He, as you know, is strength. He doesn't have it. He is it. He doesn't have peace. He is it. He doesn't have forgiveness. He is it. And He Who is joined to you is peace, strength, power. Whatever your situation, your problem that you face, he faces with you. He's in it with you. You're looking for God to come down into it. When he is joined to you, thus he is in it with you. See it. I don't I don't feel it. Of course, you don't. This isn't about an emotion. He walks with you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And that has happened because you've been forgiven. The problem is we continue to live in the mindset of a separation from God. Like we have to please him in order for him to come down here and to do something. To get him to like what we're doing in order to get him to be a part of, of what we're in. I want you to listen to Colossians here. It says, To them God willed and made known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. When we live a life of thinking called separation, we live a life of opinions, editorials, judging, including how we view our own lives. And it's a condition we keep turning back to as well. We keep going back to the old. We keep going back to what has passed away. We we keep going back to a mindset that keeps us trapped and keeps us looking at our mistakes and and our failures and and keeping a limit on our lives because we can't seem to break out of that. Our, Our lives are being lived outside of being joined to him, and as a result of that, I'm still living in unforgiveness. I'm living outside of being joined to him. I live in a place as a result of the enemy who is, I, I live in that place where he's able to just beat the snot out of me, if you want to know the truth. With every size hammer he happens to have. And he hangs me out to dry before God and says, you know, how can God love somebody like you? Look at how lousy you are. And what you do. God, can't, God can't use you. You've got too many mistakes and problems in your life. You've lived too much of a life outside of it. There's nothing that... Uh, how can God use somebody like you? How can God love somebody like you? Nobody knows that kind of a... But then there's the other side of that too because... He hangs you out to dry before God by saying, if God really loved me, if God really cared, I wouldn't be in the place that I'm in right now. If God really was the God of love that you talk about, Pastor, then I I wouldn't be suffering this kind of loss. I wouldn't be going through this agony. I wouldn't be having, I, I mean, I just, it just. Friend, can you remember for just a moment then that the devil is a slanderer? And that he is a deceiver. The devil and Satan are not names, they're titles. Lucifer is his name. Satan and devil are Hebrew and Greek for slander and deceiver. He lives up to his name. He will literally twist and turn what you were taken out of to bring you back into. To keep you in that place of limitation and incapacitation by never being able to forgive yourself. How could I? I can only imagine what God thinks of me. How do we get to that place where we are unable to forgive ourselves. With the unmet expectations, the mistakes that we've made, believing the lie of the enemy, we we get stuck there. How do we change that? Romans 12, 2 says what? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Friend, that's not... Thinking some formula in your head, how do you renew your mind? Well, I got to think on these things. You know, let me just think. I'm and God's good. God's God's good. That works for a while, but it won't work for long. Because what happens is you you develop a rut. The reality is to renew your mind. Is The best way I know how to explain it, how many of you have computers at home? A couple of you? Three? Four? The majority of you, I'm sure. Don't you just love it when you've got something you really got to do, and you sit down at your computer, and it breaks out into an update? And then it finally gets done, and what does it say to you? Oh, we've got to reboot got to start over you know click restart so you click restart and it just has to rebuild and so the next 20 minutes you're what's it called it's called renewing it's called an update how many know God has updates for you God has a renewing of your mind ready God's word wants to become more than it is right now. God's presence with you wants to become more than it is right now. But we keep being stuck in that format of thinking that we're thinking and continue to just live from that one little, and we continue to to punish ourselves, limit ourselves, believe the lie of the enemy without ever being renewed in our mind. God has updates for you, friend. God wants to renew your thinking, your mind. That, that's why I've, I've shown you what I call the evolving of the past trap gap. I've talked about this forever. But it's it's a gap in our past that presents itself so that we get, we've got to evolve out of the past trap gap. And, and let me just, I'll, I'll just throw this out very quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But, but I just I just want to, bring it home again for somebody. The truth of the matter is, you go from values, which are your beliefs, to your thinking, to your choice, to your actions. What happens is this. Somebody has influenced the way you think. Somebody has influenced you to the place of what you actually believe. What is your anchors of faith? You just didn't wake up someday and go, oh, I believe this. Oh, I've got, you know, this, no, friend, You've had influences in your life from from a child, from from a young person, from a teenager. I I fear for our young people sometimes with the influences that are out there right now. Hello? And I'm here to tell you that those influences have shaped the way you believe. Maybe you've been influenced this way or, or that way. You've been influenced by certain languages, certain actions, certain things that have taken place certain teachers, certain uh, people on, 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 on the Internet, or, or you've been shaped by, you know, just the way the, you've been influenced by the way your parents brought you up. You've been influenced by circumstances or situations that have been led by other people that you always blame for other things and everything. Look, we've been influenced And as a result, we develop a belief system about this world, about the way we look at this world, about our lives, about what's happened to us. We've gotten harder inside. We've allowed certain things to transpire and take place in our lives because of the influence that have taken place and that value, those beliefs, absolutely, 100%, affect the way you think. If you had been influenced an entirely different way, you would be thinking an entirely different way. There are people in this world, for example, I'm just throwing this out as an example. Maybe not a very good one, but it'll work anyways. I find that there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, as far as money is concerned, you've got to work for money, right? If you're going to have money in your life, you've got to work for that money by gum. But then there's another group of people that believe that money is supposed to work for you. So there's an entirely different influence that has arrived at this location called thinking because of the influence that has been in their life. They didn't arrive there overnight, but they've been taught, they've been trained. See, here, here's, the, here's my whole point. Your belief system affects your thinking. What you feed on, what you look at, what are you allowing to influence you? I can guarantee you, if, if you're allowing certain programs on, on, on your phone, if you're allowing certain programs on your TV, if you're entering, entertaining these different things over, you're allowing influences to impact your life. And, and don't think me so religious and goody-two-shoes. But if you're, if you're allowing the Word of God, if you're looking and praying and knowing His presence, influence is going to take you an entirely different way. When you're learning of Him, when you're feeding on Him, when you're being influenced by Him, it will change your thinking. And you won't be stuck in unforgiveness of yourself. But all of a sudden, something begins to change, and you're thinking as he thinks towards you. The truth and not the lie. We, we, well, if we're not influenced by God, then we're being influenced by the enemy to say to ourselves, Hey, you lousy man, how can God love you? How can God use you. You can't do nothing for God. You've got a past, man. you got a mistake, man. You're like you, you don't know nothing. You're nothing but a dummy. No weapon. I don't care what he uses. It's going to form against you. How many know it's not about you? It's about him. And you Your influence, what influences you, affects your thinking. And your thinking will affect your choices. And your choices will always affect your behaviors. Now, you can stay mad at the world. Angry, just showing your condition. It's showing the condition of sin. Sin reverting back to all the junk from the old man. We've gotten stuck in our unforgiveness, put limitations on ourselves. we've, 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 We've been influenced and we learn of culture, climate, traditions, expectations but we don't learn from him who he is. And what he's done. The problem with so many believers is they know so much about him, but they don't know him. There's so much more. And and and, and we don't live in or from him or his love for us. Let me remind you, it, let me go back to this in John chapter 4. Because in verse 15 it says, The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. What she's doing right there is living with the shame of unforgiveness. Listen listen to what she says. She said, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor, here it is, come here to draw. Why is she, she tracking on that last part of what she's saying? Because what she's dealing with is shame and guilt. When do you usually, when did they usually come out from, for water? All the women would come out in the morning, in the first part of the morning, to draw the water. She waits until it's noon, so there's nobody there, so she doesn't have to see anybody. She's dealing with her. She knows what people saying about her, they've, how they're looking at her, all these other things along that line. So she, she separates herself. Look. She is saying, give me this water so I don't have to come out here in my shame anymore apart from everyone and everything. I keep coming out here at noontime in my guilt, in my shame, because what I'm doing is I'm living my life defined by what's happened to me, by what I've done. see us they, they know the mistakes that we made they, they knew they know how we blew it well, they might not say anything but I can see them, they're thinking about me they're thinking about what I did you know, it's, 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 it's like we define ourselves then by what's happened by what's taking place by what's, what's going on we let our past control our future. And you know what? The world is hard. It's difficult, but you know what? The church can be even worse when it should be the place where healing comes. Now something happens here. So look at verse 28 there. It says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come See, a man who told me all things that I ever did. Who could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. You know what she's saying? You know what she's doing? Shame off. Shame off. Guilt off. Guilt off. That's what's happened. Shame off. Say that with me. Shame off. Guilt off. That's the point. In fact, take a look at verse 25. It says, we're going to go backwards a little bit. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who you speak to am he. Wow. She has met with forgiveness himself. Forgiveness himself is is literally standing right in front of her. And, And here's the kicker. It's not about what she's done. But who he is. Have you ever noticed God never brings up the past? Only the future. The past is always brought up by the... look. She has been living from her expectations, that she had met when she had looked and dreamed about what life would be like, what we're going to have, what we're going to her plants, that, that white picket fence with a beautiful house and a couple of kids, and all her plans, and now the reality of what's happened instead weigh down on her. shame. She has been living in and from that hurt. Living in a place called loneliness. And how many know there's no greater pain than the pain of loneliness? She's been living in that anger. Living in self-defeating ways of thinking. That's called a limited life, friend. And I wonder how many here in this place, are living in a limited life. Let me remind you very quickly of what forgiveness is. You remember? When, when, when I t- when I talk about forgiveness, we talked about what forgiveness is not, but forgiveness is. And and you know, I'll just do it this way. As we always do it. This is walking around with unforgiveness very limiting. God has something for you, you can't grab it. You're always hanging on to the past. It limits you from becoming. It limits you from receiving. It limits you from being able to do what you have had put in your heart to do. So no matter what happens, there's something that hinders. Notice something from Colossians 3 it says even as Christ forgave you so you also must do. How many know Christ has forgiven me? If you know that to be true would you just slip up your hand? and I know Christ has forgiven me. But here's the thing how many have forgiven yourselves? And I say that because what forgiveness is is simply this. Okay. Watch me, not them. They come from all over the place. They've come to get you. Here's here's forgiveness. You ready? (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? It's called release. Forgiveness is release. You have been released. (coughs) God has forgiven you. What does that mean? You have been released. From what? The condition you were in. And as a result, the limitations, the mistakes, all all the actions that came as a result of that condition. But here's the deal. Our minds have laid trap to that. We continue to think in that way. Even though our hearts have been joined to him, we've known the grace of God as that of being transformed out of death into life now. Our mind keeps pulling us back down so we live in a limitation that God has never purposed for you to live in. God, the Son, has set you free. And he whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. I'll say it again. Remember that forgiveness is released. How then do we come to that place where we not only release others, but we release ourselves? We put ourselves ourselves into his hands 1 John says if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins he's talking to a group of people here huge he say hey confess your condition your minds he's faithful and just forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us cleanse all of us of our unrighteousness hear me when I say this God is wanting to heal your hearts and your mind choices that were made and haven't been made I see I see believers that that uh, let me tell you something the enemy has torn apart enough people depression runs rampant lies are struck down and the problem is so many of the so many believers have concepts of God but they don't know God They have a mental ascent of God. They they, they have this thinking pattern that came from where, for Pete's sake? Who taught them that? Well, it's the way that we were taught. (sighs) Okay. And I'm sure they were good, great, wonderful people. But Peter's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. You know what that means? It means if I got a task in front of me, I'm going to, what? Roll up my sleeves. What does that say? I'm getting ready to do some work. When Peter says, roll up, gird up uh, your loins, the loins of your mind, it's, it's they wore that other garment because they would roll it up when they had to do something, get ready to do some work or even start running. But he's talking of the mind. He's saying, get ready to do some work on, in your mind. Get ready to radically rethink what you've thought before. God's got better. God's going God's to add to it. Look, it's, it's not that what you've learned isn't enough. It's that you've allowed the enemy to stop you. That you are stuck in that place and in that position where all you know today about God All that you know who he is, and I'm not talking about intellectually, I am talking also about intimately. All you know about him is the same thing you knew about him 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years, doesn't matter. But I got news for you. His word declares, and I can testify to you, he is new every morning. There's nothing too difficult for him. Friend, you know what? It's time to stand up to the enemy knowing who God is and to say to him enough is enough. I'm done with the lie. I'm going to know the truth and the truth will make me free. Friend, guilt and shame its not how he sees you. When was the last time God said to you, Shame on you. You, 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 you dirty person, you. Can't believe you would have done that. Can't believe you make those kind of choices. Can't believe you would have blown it like that. How in the world, I mean, how in the world am I supposed to do anything in your life if you keep making those kind of choices? How in the world am I supposed to work in you or work through you if you keep on with those same habits and problems and everything else going on? How am I going to do anything in your life? God doesn't say that stuff. Why? Because he doesn't condemn. He convicts. So what does he do? He leads us out of these areas. Down his path of righteousness because it's his name.